You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Hey, before we get started today, just to let you know that today's episode of The Quickie discusses domestic violence and suicide. If either of these topics are a tough one for you, please take care when listening. From Mamma Mia, I'm Claire Murphy. This is The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. He was a doting parent. He was just a normal guy, not even a big drinker or anything. I couldn't sense anything was wrong with him. I couldn't fault him in any way. These are actual things that have been said by men about men in their lives who've gone on to do unspeakable things to either their wives and partners or their own children. The men who comment on their friend, acquaintance or neighbour in the aftermath of violent acts often claim they saw nothing that would have tipped them off, no signs that their mate could harm someone. So what are they missing? And why do they feel the need to explain that they didn't see it coming? Today, we speak to a psychotherapist about good bloke syndrome and why it's time some men held a mirror up to their own behaviours to understand what's happening to the women of Australia. But first, in news headlines for Wednesday, November 8. With the Reserve Bank raising the cash rate to 4.35% yesterday, mortgage holders and those in industries sensitive to higher interest rates will struggle. If their lender passes on the 25 basis point increase, those with a $500,000 mortgage will be paying an extra $76 a month. When you add up the 13 rate hikes since the RBA started to combat inflation, those homeowners are having to find an extra $1,210 a month. Borrowers are being told to haggle with their lender for a better rate and that finding a variable rate under 6% is still possible. Israel has given those trapped inside Gaza City a four-hour window to leave, escaping residents saying they passed tanks poised to storm the city. Israel confirmed its forces have surrounded Gaza City, home to a third of the enclave's 2.3 million people, and are poised to attack it in their campaign to annihilate Hamas militants, who attacked Israel on October 7, killing 1,400 people, including women and children, and abducting more than 200 others who are being held hostage. In retaliation, Israeli airstrikes have killed more than 10,000 Palestinians, 40% of them children. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has made some of his first direct comments as to what he plans for the future of Gaza after the war, saying Israel will take over responsibility for the territory's security once it defeats Hamas. Despite the cost of living crisis, Australian drug use has increased to its highest levels since 2020. Wastewater monitoring data shows the use of both methamphetamine and cocaine has reached its highest levels in three years, with data collected across all states and territories and covering more than half the population. While the average consumption of heroin, MDMA and fentanyl had decreased compared to the last report, there were increases in alcohol and oxycodone. The data showed record-high ketamine use in both cities and in the regions, but while in the city methamphetamine, cocaine, MDMA and heroin exceeded regional areas, in the regions alcohol, nicotine, oxycodone, fentanyl and cannabis were higher. Police have interviewed but not laid any charges against the man who was behind the wheel of the BMW that ran into a crowd at a pub in Dalesford on the weekend. 
The 66-year-old from Mount Macedon has been in hospital since the incident. Police conducting the interview there. No further details as to what led to the crash that took the lives of five people have been revealed. One of the victims, 44-year-old Pratibna Sharma, whose nine-year-old daughter Anvi and her partner, 30-year-old Jatin Chu, were also killed, has been remembered as a selfless and community-orientated person who volunteered with Australian Sikh Support to deliver food boxes to those quarantining during the pandemic. She had at one stage also run for state parliament and local council and was admitted as a lawyer just this past June. Aussies are being reminded to get a whooping cough booster shot with experts predicting a resurgence in the disease. There is an outbreak of whooping cough every three to five years, with University of Sydney professor Robert Boy saying the next wave is imminent, possibly this spring or summer when infections traditionally spike. The respiratory infection is more contagious than COVID, the flu or measles and can be fatal for babies or young children, especially those too young to have been vaccinated. Adults tend to make up half of whooping cough cases with more than 80% of Australians not able to remember if they've had a booster shot, despite requiring one every 10 years to maintain a strong level of immunity. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. Recently, the headmaster of Shaw, an all-boys Sydney-based Church of England grammar school, wrote a letter home to parents and students. He used to be the headmaster of St Andrew's Cathedral School, where on the night of October 25, the body of 21-year-old Lily James was found beaten to death. In this letter, he wrote, What is chilling about the tragedy which unfolded at St Andrew's, the shock and grief of which will cascade for a long time, is that the young man concerned was, in everybody's estimation, an absolute delight. I knew him years ago as a fine student, a prefect, a role model. This is what makes this situation chilling, in that, on every indicator, he appeared to be just like the best of us. He signed the letter, Dr John Collier. The man police believe was responsible for killing Lily James, a bright young water polo coach, was her ex-boyfriend, a man she dated briefly, just five weeks, but who, it seems, could not come to terms with the separation. The fact that he then reportedly jumped from a well-known suicide spot just hours later, but not before texting Lily's dad to come collect his daughter and triple zero to alert police of the murder, we can now never ask this man what he was thinking, why he did what he did. All we know is that up to this point, at least one man in his life thought he was one of the best of them. Lily's death comes in the midst of what is being referred to as a national crisis. The alarming statistic broadcast across media channels that in the space of just 10 days here in Australia, five women were killed allegedly at the hands of men that claimed to love them. 21 years old, white, blonde, beautiful. It was Lily's face that made us again sit up and realise that yes, in fact, women just like us can die due to a man feeling he didn't get his own way. That's despite many women having lost their lives before her in 2023, women from many different cultural backgrounds, of many ages, and from both lower socioeconomic situations and affluent families. Lily, with her young, vibrant face staring back at us from her social media pages, broke through the veil that hangs over domestic violence in this country, where we skip over all those women who aren't like Lily. 
But in fact, Lily is one of nearly 60 women to die this year here in Australia under similar circumstances. That shameful number, though, seems very small when you look at it more broadly. An average of 3,600 women a year are hospitalised as a result of assault here in Australia. Domestic violence hotlines take more than 5,000 calls a week from those who are caught up in violent cycles. But while women cry out for this to stop and their allies try to make those who avoid looking it in the eyes to actually see, men will tell us that they never saw it coming, that they had no clue that this man was a monster. He seemed like a good bloke. Dr Collier went on in his message to say that Lily's killer was not a monster. Rather, in the last five hours of his life, he committed a monstrous act, which was in complete contradiction to what everyone who knew him observed in the rest of his short life. But what part of that is the truth? And why do people feel the need to defend those who commit shocking acts of violence against women by saying their relationship with the perpetrator wasn't like that, so therefore it must be a shock to everyone? Lissy Abrahams is a relationship psychotherapist. Lissy, why do some people feel the need to defend their relationship with someone after they've done something terrible like this? Okay, I'm going to start with generosity here. That out of me being a generous human, I'm going to say there's a chance of that person describing them as a good guy is because they may be in shock and denial, which are often, you know, the first stages of any grief horror process. So that's my generous take on it. But I think we really need to look at what happens in a greater context, which is really around the patriarchal system that women live in, we all live in, and men play a role in that as well. And the words good guy, that he was a good guy, it kind of implies that this was out of character for him. But what happens when someone's done something like that, what we don't generally know about is how it's actually not out of character. It's just a really covert part of their character. We don't know the depth of what's inside of their mind about their true character. What message does that send to other men in this? Because it is the majority of perpetrators are men and the majority of the people who tend to come out after these situations and who say that phrase, he was a good bloke, tend to also be men. What message does that send to other men who might be violent towards women or who might be aggressive towards women? What message does that send to other men? It says we're not fully going to engage with the horror of what your mind is capable of. And it says we can whitewash and keep you kind of the good guy because you're one of us, you're one of the good guys, and it whitewashes the whole process of how sick it really is. You know, this person controlled every part of this process in terms of murdering Lily. And to come out as the good guy in this story, it's an all too familiar kind of experience that women have from the smallest scale to this large scale, where men can get away with things in a way that no woman is going to get away with. You wouldn't hear women talking about other women and men talking about other women saying, oh, she was a really great woman if she's absolutely just butchered somebody. So I think it's what's part of our patriarchal system is that this need to protect someone in this way is kind of elevated and held up. No, he was a good guy. But actually, it's how do we really engage with the horror and talk to men about this, about 
this doesn't start with the horror. This starts in much smaller ways, smaller ways at the pub when they're talking about women and what they'd like to do to that woman that they see across a room or the ways that men are sending each other pornographic images during the workday in chat groups and things. You know, it's part of a big system that needs calling out. In turn then, Lizzie, what does that say to victims or potential victims of domestic violence like this? Because it does seem like if we call the guy the good bloke, he must have snapped for some reason and then I guess the next step down the track is that reason must be the woman. Yeah, and if it's the woman, it's because we've heard for years that she shouldn't have been drinking or it's what she was wearing, it's the victim blaming, she shouldn't have gone out at night, what was she doing there? And it's that kind of culture that we've heard over and over again. So I think there's a really important part about how do we make sure that the lens doesn't get turned in that way and that we can really stay engaged with how did it get to this? What happened to get inside of his mind? Because this is not a snap. This is someone who planned it. And for him to have planned that brutal murder, how many steps before that, not on the day, but in his life, had happened? Where did that start? And it didn't start with him in, you know, at St Andrews. It started as a kid somewhere. Was it about the porn he watched? Was it the friends and how they talked about girls and women at that time? It goes back much further than just a snap. This was not a snap. Why do we struggle so much with the idea that men who perpetrate violence like this are not the grotesque monster that we picture in our minds? It seems like we can't put the two together that this man can be from a very affluent family who can have a great job and a great life and seemingly have it all, but also still be this other awful, monstrous person. Why do we struggle to allow those two things to exist at the same time? I think we struggle because there's a racial bias and there's a kind of educated bias and it's horrible to think that someone like us could do this. So we don't mind if it's people from other racial groups that are different from us because then we can kind of point a finger because we have a problem with otherness in lots of ways and we kind of don't expect people to be murderers, to be in this kind of racial group, the educated. So we like to think it's others who do this. But I'll tell you, when my children were young, one of my daughters wanted to be a barrister. And I used to take her to the courts as a kid. And we would go to the courts in the city. And we stumbled upon one where there was a man who had perpetrated such violence and held a woman, his partner, hostage. And I showed my children, I said, this man, this white man, who's educated, you wouldn't think he has the face of a murderer because it's just such a look that we imagine murderers have. But they're us. They walk amongst us. They're our friends and they're people we know. And I think this is what people are so shocked with what happened here is this is actually what happens in everyday life. He's one of the many. It's the same as what happened with Hannah Clark, the same thing. You know, it's not a particular look. But we want to protect that kind of look and the educated, those who walk amongst us. But they're actually no different. How do we approach the people who say he, in my opinion, was a good guy at the time that I knew him? How do we respond to someone without saying, you know, obviously he's not because he did this awful thing. This person is trying to protect something, maybe even looking at themselves. Perhaps they're worried that people might see in them what they see in this horrible, monstrous person. 
How do we respond to that then? How do we tell them that is not the right thing to say or this is not how we should be responding in this moment? I think it's about that part that's hidden. And I think I would probably want to respond something like, I know you feel that the person you met was a good guy, that part of them. However, this was brewing and it's not an out-of-character moment. This is actually part of a systematic kind of forming of this position throughout the decades. And what you knew of him isn't actually who he was in terms of what was brewing and his relationship with women as objects and his misogynistic ownership of a woman and how this has gone on forever with women. So I think it's about not really knowing that person. But I'd also like to kind of introduce some personal responsibility. And I really try and encourage this in my consulting room where we might actually be on more alert for what are people saying? And I'm talking to men here. How do you talk to your friends about women? What's the culture of the groups that you hang in? And do you feel able to stop people diminishing women. So it's not just how do you talk about them as a good guy, but what does it put a mirror up to oneself about, am I a good guy (laughs) because I'm hanging with this person? You know, how are we talking about women as ownership or pieces of meat or, you know, treating them like they're an object, like a car? And I think we need to put that mirror up. The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon.